Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now, imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bolin Brand Sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Brand Sheets get softer with every wash. They're made from the rarest organic cotton and designed to get softer over time. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order with code BUTTERY. So head to bollandbranch.com today. Exclusions apply. See site for details. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Well, hello. Welcome to Jules Says. I'm Jules, Julie, mum, grandmother. If you have anything you'd like to share, you can DM me or email me at jewelsays at gmail.com. I know I should know better. I know I shouldn't, but I bristle when I read articles that insinuate Catherine's civil partnership with Bobby and her tour subject, Mrs., is a complete 180 from her previous work because she had denounced love or disavowed marriage. I know it doesn't bother her in the least, but I think we're less bothered by things that are said about or happen to ourselves than we are when it comes to our children. Do we ever get over the mother bear feeling, even when they're grown successful adults? If anybody knows how, please let me know, because I can't. And Catherine never denounced love or marriage or partnership. She denounced the denigration of being single, and she celebrates single motherhood. It baffles me that the difference isn't obvious. But then again, there are white supremacist Nazi groups out there, so nothing is really surprising. And she's right. We shouldn't expect people to get married. We shouldn't lay all this on women. I've always said no man is better than the wrong man, and life is too short and also too long to be stuck with someone who hates you or who you don't like. I don't know why this is threatening to people. Do men want to be married to a woman they don't like or respect or who doesn't like them? And if a relationship doesn't work out, it doesn't mean you're a bad person necessarily. Maybe you're just with the wrong person. And then there are people who blame feminism for destroying the family. This frequently rears its head in the political discourse. But come on, it's utter bullshit. Many, many, many families were already destroyed back in the olden days. It was just behind closed doors. 
their dirty little secret. Whenever I hear a politician say that, I feel like they're probably mistreating their own partner and they just can't stand the fact that women today have more opportunities to get out of a bad situation. Does anyone actually think it's healthy for children to be raised in a household with fighting or resentful silence or abuse? I don't. Anyone who thinks these are modern problems is delusional. The argument that divorce is a sin because marriage is a covenant doesn't make sense to me either. Is the covenant really broken when you get the divorce, or is the covenant broken long before the divorce? I would argue that it is. So why do we continue to get married? I know marriage is a very old institution, but I wasn't sure when it started, so I looked it up, and apparently polygamous marriage, go figure, has been around since before recorded history, but the Catholic Church battled with the old nobility and kings to make marriage monogamous by the ninth century. I'm sure they didn't expect the nobility and kings to be monogamous, but, you know. And marriage back then was, I think at least for nobility and kings, intended as an alliance between families and had nothing to do with being in love. But maybe the love expectation is actually the problem. Not just love, but a lot of people have unreasonable expectations from their partners, such as, my partner should never want to do anything without me, or my partner is there to serve me, or my partner should always understand me without me having to explain. And some people get angry and blame their partner for not living up to these expectations. And of course, there are people who think it's normal to yell and name-call and swear and punch when they're angry. I was uh, horrible to you, but I was mad. Or, I was blackout drunk. Like that's supposed to be an excuse. And I've always said that being upset is more about the discrepancy between expectation and reality than reality itself. There's a Hidden Brain podcast episode, I love Hidden Brain, about marriage that makes a lot of sense to me. It's called You 2.0, When Did Marriage Become So Hard? It's from August 16th, 2021. So suffrage and women's rights movements obviously enabled women to earn a better living than they could back in the olden days, gave them the right to sign their own contracts, have a bank account, buy property, have fewer children, so we are no longer forced to stay or keep our children in untenable situations or get married at all. This should not be threatening to anyone who is respectful and decent. Yet society still largely regards marriage as aspirational, even inevitable, at least for women. Of course, I fell into that trap myself. I mean, I'm glad I married the girl's father, otherwise I wouldn't have those girls and I love them more than life itself. I grew up in the 60s and 70s, so I assumed, without really thinking about it much, that I would get married, even though my parents' marriage was less than ideal. I also assumed that it would be optional for me to have a career, and any money I earned would just be for extras for the family. It, it didn't occur to me that I would need a career for financial stability to pay bills. And now I would be terrified not to be able to support myself. 
I also viewed my father, Ted, as a terrifying overlord whose job was to provide for and berate us. And my mother, Dorothy, was palpably depressed. She used to say to me, Whatever you do, don't get married and don't have children, which offended me at the time, but I grew up and understood where she was coming from a little better. Yet societal influences are so powerful that even though my mother was saying this to me, I just assumed I would get married. What else was I supposed to do? When I did get married, I didn't want to have a big wedding. But my mother said, there were 15 people at my wedding and there is no goddamn way that's what my daughter is having. She paid for the reception, flowers, invitations, photographer, and I paid for the rest, right down to my simple wedding band that ended up giving me a rash. Everyone at the reception congratulated and toasted Ted and thanked him for his hospitality. He had absolutely nothing to do with it, other than parading me down the aisle, which I felt was a false show of paternal pride, because I don't think he liked me very much. Look, I'm not saying I'm opposed to a big shebang if you can afford it. When I was young and naive, I didn't grasp the value of experiences, and it's partly because I never had a lot of disposable income. It was 1982. Interest rates were around 20%. The economy was in the tank, in deep recession. Unemployment was high, and I was worried about being laid off myself. But you don't have to have a wedding to host a party. Every year since what would have been my 25th anniversary, I ponder the idea of hosting a thank-God-I'm-not-married party, but it never happened because, number one, I'm very lazy when it comes to such things, and again, I don't have a ton of discretionary cash lying about to throw a party. Not only that, a friend of mine pointed out that my theme just might be hurtful to my children, but I actually don't think they'd even care. Now, Carrie is the only one of my three daughters who had a traditional wedding, and I genuinely enjoyed helping her plan the event, which might seem odd based on everything I've just said, but I'm not opposed to a wedding or an event. I'm opposed to the expectations. She wanted it, I love her, and I wasn't pressuring her to do it. Conversely, when Joanne and Catherine eloped slash had a civil partnership thousands of miles away, which is where they live, and I wasn't invited. I felt really sad that I wasn't a part of an important event in their lives, but the fact that no one else was invited helped me feel better about it. I had friends who expressed more outrage than I felt at not being there. But you're her mother! Yes, but they can't just invite me and not their father and the groom's parents, and then where does it end? Now you have a full-blown wedding. And I do think people should do what they want to do, how they want to do it. I am pro-choice. Now, does this mean that I denounce partnership, disavow marriage? Absolutely not. I just think marriage should not be undertaken lightly, and I don't think it should cost thousands in legal fees to end a relationship. I understand that if you share assets or children, there are inevitable legal requirements, but aside from that, the marriage itself, it just doesn't really make sense to me. Death do us part maybe made sense when you had a life expectancy of 35. And to be honest, 
Part of the reason I got married to begin with was slut-shaming culture. I know, that's bananas. My mother used to say, your father never would have married me if I hadn't been a virgin. And although, at least once, I responded with something like, well, he didn't do you any favors, did he? You should have gotten some and dodged that bullet. So yeah, deep down, I had internalized the virgin bride bullshit. I had a boyfriend in my teens who used to say, oh, you're going to get porked before you get married. Yeah, porked. That's just gross. I insisted I would not. And not long after I moved to Sarnia, I started seeing someone else. The first time I had sex was after my Sarnia boyfriend's prolonged, repeated coercion, and I felt trapped and obligated. I knew even then that I really didn't like him that much. My first thought was, oh, shit, now I have to marry this guy. And that is fucked up. I do think there are people back in the day, and even today in certain cultures, who rush marriage for the sex thing. And I think that's ridiculous. Dorothy was worried that I might marry this guy, and contradicting her virginity lecture was telling me, whatever you do, don't get married. Live with him first. I stuck with a Neanderthal controlling lowlife who affectionately called me shit for brains for three years. I stuck with number two, who once hung me by my ankles over a fifth-floor balcony and told me I would have such a fat ass by the time I was 25 that no man would look at me for, again, three years. I did not deserve this, and you do not deserve this. There's no reason to salvage a toxic relationship. But some people think it will get better if they forge ahead with additional commitments. I'm so glad that society is evolving beyond slut-shaming and fetishization of virginity, but we do still have a long way to go. When I started seeing the girl's father, my mindset was, oh shit, am I just going to have this revolving door of men like this? I felt ashamed of myself, and we were married less than a year into the relationship, which was way too soon because we hardly knew each other. We really weren't a good match, and I guarantee you he is far happier with his current wife. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now, imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about and Branch sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. They're made from the rarest organic cotton and designed to get softer over time. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order with code BUTTERY. So head to bollandbranch.com today. Exclusions apply. See site for details. But anyway, 17 years later, I was thrilled to be alone after the separation. I sincerely believed I would be alone forever. I had 
zero intention of or desire to even date anyone. And I assumed no one would be interested in dating me. But just as when Catherine realized she was happy on her own and accidentally fell in love with Bobby, that is when I accidentally fell in love with Abe. If you're interested in that story, you can hear Abe's perspective on one of my previous podcasts, Grandfather Abe. Abe and I have now been together for over 20 years, and we share real estate and still like each other. Sometimes I refer to him as my husband. And even though I'm old, people ask me if we're married yet, going to get married, why haven't we gotten married, would we ever get married, and my response is always, why? Thankfully, I've outgrown romanticizing marriage, and I'm no longer ashamed of being a slut. The other thing that always winds me up is meeting an acquaintance I haven't seen in a while who asks, Are all the girls married yet? Yet. As though marriage is inevitable. Like death and taxes. And I usually say something like, No, and maybe they never will be, which is absolutely fine with me. But don't you want them to settle down and be happy? Yeah, I want them to be happy. I don't expect them to necessarily get married. Because I did not raise my girls to settle for less than they deserve, even though they have had periods of time when they did. But they're great women. They're all hardworking, capable, independent, honest, ethical, level-headed, and smart. They're wonderful people, and they deserve no less than someone who appreciates and respects them and values them. A few reviewers interpreted Catherine's Netflix series, The Duchess, as man-hating and went on. Some of them banged on about how her character, it wasn't likable. She's a horrible, gross, selfish bitch. I'm like, oh, God, what a bunch of assholes. I just heard an interview with an actor who's portraying an apparently thoroughly unlikable male character in succession. I haven't seen it. But at no point did anyone consider that the unlikability of this character was problematic. I guess if you have a dick, you're allowed to be a dick. Not only that, every rom-com I've seen, and I've not seen many, they're not my preferred genre, seems to follow a pattern of a man resisting commitment, which the woman is desperate for, and then caving in the end. I love How the Duchess turns that yearning for commitment upside down and unabashedly portrays a woman who is not trying to be liked by everyone. Catherine's statement to the dentist is something like, Equally, I don't want to be trapped with you. Really resonated with me. If you think you're lonely being alone, believe me, it's much lonelier being trapped with someone who is not right for you. If anyone is pressuring you to get married or saying things to make you feel badly about being single, just look them in the eye and say nothing. Let the silence sit. You don't owe them an explanation. Bask in the confidence of how wrong they are. (laughs) When people announce their engagement amid shrieks of joy and congratulations, It's hard for me to muster up some semblance of a happy congratulations. I just can't help but feel the trepidation of what could happen in the pit of my stomach. 
I don't know that many people who really like being married all that much after a few years. Maybe they do. You never know what goes on in others' relationships. Carrie tells me she likes being married, and that's after almost seven years. Catherine seems to like it. I still like Abe. But I suspect a lot more people just hang in there because it's easier to coast along than to get out. I used to think if your husband isn't beating you, you should just stay. And I think that, again, was a cultural expectation that I somehow absorbed, and I was wrong. You're allowed to get out of a relationship just because you're not happy. I do realize that getting out can be a horrible experience, especially if there are dependent children at home, or if, God forbid, your partner is violent. So it's really hard to do. I genuinely don't think people take divorce lightly. So I do think marriage is risky business. It's great if it works out, but the grief and the financial stress when it doesn't can last for years. It can be like a form of PTSD. Marriage should be treated as 100% optional and absolutely not inevitable. But as risky as marriage can be, humans are highly motivated to couple up and not just young people. Not long before my divorce, a friend of mine in her 60s remarried and told me she felt giddily in love, like a schoolgirl. I looked at her and I thought, wow, that was a revelation to me. It was simultaneously wonderful yet terrifying. Could I be vulnerable again? At my age? Yes, absolutely. We all are. Let's be honest, girls and women are often conditioned to believe that marriage is aspirational, not as in something you think you might want someday, but a goal to be attained, and if not attained, a mark of failure. I suspect that generally men don't feel this way. More than one male friend has told me that the only reason men get married is because the woman wants to, or they want to stake their territory, and they don't want to lose her. Or, if they're young and naive, to get regular sex. <laughs> and friends my age who are dating often find that men aren't exactly stealth about their desire for a housemaid and a cook. A lot of these old codgers don't know how or don't think they should have to take care of themselves, their food, home, etc. No thank you. That's one of the things I like about Abe. He doesn't expect me to wait on him. Yeah, marriage is risky. So is buying a house and getting a mortgage. At least with a mortgage, you can sign a one-year open, five-year fixed term. I think marriages might work a lot better if we treated a marriage like a mortgage. Your partner might try harder if they thought you might not renew. And if we grew up thinking that's how it should be, there'd be a lot less acrimony. I don't see marriage changing to mortgage terms anytime soon. Love is a risk. Marriage is a risk. But hopefully you can mitigate that risk with my handy three-year rule. Why three years? For the first six months or so in a relationship, you're not, let's be honest, you're not even thinking straight. At all. In my anecdotal unprofessional observations, after the initial euphoria, it seems to take women approximately three years to know the truth 
deep down as to whether they really can stand this person or not, or to work out the kinks in the relationship. That's not to say they leave in three years, like that three years seemed to be my pattern when I was young, but I have observed a pattern of about three years for women to acknowledge that truth in their hearts. And I'm sure I read a study that corroborated the three-year rule, which associated the desire to sustain the partnership with the time it takes to have a baby and raise the baby to the toddler stage when they're learning some semblance of independence. But that could be bullshit because I can't find any such study now. I'm sure I stumbled upon it at some point. But as a general rule, to mitigate the risk of of having to legally extricate yourself from a bad relationship, I recommend that you don't marry, buy real estate, or have a baby with a partner until you're at least three years into the relationship and you truly believe in your heart that you cannot live without this person. It takes women about three years to scrub the rose off those glasses. Now, there are people who worry about their biological clock and having a baby, but once you have a baby with someone, you are connected for life, whether you like it or not, and you don't want that connection to be with someone who's diabolical or dangerous. Obviously, there are no guarantees and people change to some extent, and life throws a load of challenges at us. Jobs, employment instability, maybe children, in-laws, mortgages, debt. It's really hard to deal with all of that, even if you love each other desperately. One of my friends said she and her husband argued more over their teenage daughter in one week than they had over the entire 25 years of their marriage. All this stuff that usually comes with marriage after a few years, it's hard. Another thing I used to tell my daughters, if they ever decide to get married but want to back out, even if it was at the last minute, even if 200 guests are gathered for the event, I will gladly stand in front of the congregation or guests or whatever it is and offer the opportunity to anyone there. We have an officiant. If anyone here wants to get married, here you go. And either way, since the caterer has been paid, we're having a no one's getting married party. Why waste a good party? It's still cheaper than a divorce. So as soon as you know someone isn't right for you, move on, ideally before the big commitment, but absolutely before you're dead. As the wise and wonderful Catherine Ryan says, the only thing worse than wasting three years with someone is wasting three years and one day. Trust your gut. Your gut doesn't lie. Thank you for listening. If you have anything you'd like to share, you can DM me with something more than just hi, or email me at jewelssays at gmail.com. J-E-W-E-L-S says at gmail.com. And if you're lonely, things will change when you least expect it. Overdraft fees are just the worst. Get up to $200 in fee-free overdraft with a Chime checking account. Sign up today at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.